0: Let's go!
1: Let's go! Oh, no. no want sorry, sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next one. I'm excited, and I feel relaxed, and I'm ready to
2: party! Don't say so sorry. You don't need to do that. You don't need to apologize. It's a fucked up female habit. You don't need to be sorry for anything ever. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I don't have rage issues! I have
1: nothing to prove to you. When I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad, I'm better. I say when it comes to stardom and Lauren, there are no accidents.
2: Hi, Karen Peterson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Citizen Dame. It is, it's 2024, and I am Lauren Humphreys-Brooks, still. Um, and with me, as always, is Karen Peterson. Hello, Karen. Hello. And and welcome to 2024, Karen. How, how are you? Uh, I am 100% COVID-free now. Yeah, <laughs> that's always good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a week! I'm so sorry, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, like it. It was. I guess it was bound to happen. I mean, it has been going around so much in the past few weeks. But yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry. It's there no fun. was,
1: I think, an epidemiologist. Um, I don't remember exactly where it came from, but someone posted some stuff on Instagram. Um, some like official reports about how the current variant that's going around now, they estimate one in three Americans will get it. So
2: I got it. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't surprise me, but you're also vaccinated and it sounds like it it cleared pretty quickly. So that's, that's good.
1: Yeah. Cause my first positive test was on Saturday. I actually had some symptoms Friday and like late Friday, but my test was negative. Saturday morning, that thing lit up like a Christmas tree so fast. And, but, you know, a week later, I'm now negative. So it did go quickly. It just, it was not pleasant in the meantime.
2: <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. COVID is not fun. Definitely um, not as bad as when I had it the first time though. That's really good. I mean, that's, yeah. and, and I, that seems to be a lot of people's experiences right now. um It's, you know, it is something, it's one of those things. It's, it's here, it's around, it's going to be something we have to deal with for the rest of forever. But it does... We do. We do have a lot more tools to fight against it now, which is very good. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad that you're doing better. Thank you. I'm you. I'm back in New York City. I'm very happy to be back in New York City. It was fun being upstate and like everything. I also got here ahead of like a gigantic snowstorm that is apparently bearing um, down on us. Oh, dear! so that's good. I'm glad I'm not traveling in on the weekend because I had thought about leaving on the weekend instead of in the middle of the week. And then I was like, I should probably go now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice. It's lovely to be back home. I love New York, even though even though like this is big COVID surge, just like I'm just going to go back to the most populated city in the United States. Like It was fine. Yeah, Whatever. it
1: seems like a good place to be, <laughs> but you've already had it and you're vaccinated. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's always possible to get it a second time to like get a, a um like fair, fairly quickly, but it's less likely. And, and also I say it is one of those things we just kind of have to deal with, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, nice to be back in New York. So for this episode, we we don't have like a set thing in terms of the films that we're going to talk about, because. Every year we have very often done um, both New Year's resolutions about films that we we want to see, types of films that we want to see, things that we want to experience uh, in the cinematic realm in the new year. And we've also talked about the films that we have loved and and that have enjoyed both new movies and, and also films that like we've just gotten to experience again or have seen for the first time. Um, so we wanted to talk a little bit about that. So this is basically going to be a free for all. We're just going to talk about some films that we've really liked, and and some films that like we would like other people to see as well. So I think to to start off with, Karen, is there like one film from twenty twenty three that you're just like this this was the film for me? It doesn't have to be necessarily the best film, right? But was was just like really like catalyzed something for you. Oh, there was
1: one. And yeah. it was a movie that I have seen now five times. <laughs> and I love it so much. And that is Barbie. <laughs> yes! I Barbie was the movie that I was a little bit nervous about when I knew about it being made. It's been through a bunch of iterations. There have been a bunch of like different directors on board and stars and stuff. And so when I finally saw... Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach were doing this and that it was going to start Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. I was like, okay, all right. All right. I'm just going to go with it. When I saw this the first time, it was love at first sight. I loved this movie immediately. And I it felt like exactly the right way to make a movie about Barbie and also not at all what I expected. And so that was... That was such a pleasant surprise and it, I really have, I've seen it five times. I, um, I can quote it. (laughs) I've told everybody I know to watch it when people (laughs) tell me they don't like it. I tell them why they're wrong. Like I'm really fun about this movie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Luckily most of the people around me have loved it too because they're all good and smart, but um, yeah, no, I feel like that is the movie that for me just, just like captures 2023
2: so yeah i i you know i absolutely i kind of figured you were gonna say that because it's just like <laughs> it's gonna be barbie it's gonna yeah. be barbie and i i agree with you completely it, it's i i'm trying to think i think it was it was one of the first films i i saw in the theater again i'd, I'd actually seen i think class voyage of the demeter was my return to the theater but <laughs> um but it yeah, it was one of those, I'm like, I am gonna go see this in a movie theater. This is not something I'm gonna wait for. Um, and it is, you know, we've talked about it. We, talked, we did a bonus episode on it. We've discussed it before. It really is just such a fantastic film. And so, fu- I think one of the things I like about it is that it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Like, it is just funny. There are good jokes. And it, it, it kind of places you in this really kind of bizarre Barbie world that is very real and that is also hilarious. And then at the same time, it really does have a a lot of wonderful things to say about masculinity, about femininity, about, um, you know, the power of play, particularly girls playing and what we learn from playing. Um, And then also just the expectations of both men and women. Um, and, And the expectations of like the gender binary and all of those things, it's, I think that there are flaws in the film and that I've seen some very legitimate criticisms about kind of the way that it simplifies gender a little bit. But I, I think at the end of the day, it is doing such fantastic work in a in a medium and with a character that you just would not expect it from. Um, yeah, yeah it, they they did a great job with it. It's so funny. And uh, yeah, and, and, and of course, America Ferrara's speech um, that she uses to unbrainwash all of the Barbies <laughs> it's so true like that that moment in the theater I'm just like I'm gonna start crying about like being female in this world right now yeah um, it it was and and I think that that speech often that speech gets taken out of context but that speech given everything that has happened in the film is so fucking powerful and it's so powerful Then where it leads to
1: Yeah. Well, and, and I've seen a lot of people complain that like, well, yeah, duh, we know all this. And it's like, okay, but I actually saw America Ferreira had commented on this earlier this week, I think too. Um, but it just, it's like, yeah, this should be kind of an, oh, duh. Yes. Like this is, this is everybody's, you know, this is a a very good summation of the experience of what it is to be a woman and why it's so impossible and hard. Um, but sometimes just hearing someone else vocalize your experience.
2: Yeah. Is
1: it, it just it there's so much power in that and solidarity in that too. Yeah. Um, because then it's like it makes you feel like, okay, it's not just me. This is this is something that, you know, is a kind of a universal experience. And it just it it helps you. It helps reclaim that power a little bit too when you hear other mm-hmm. people vocalize what you've been feeling. So
2: well, and and you see in this film, so so someone like Margot Robbie, right, who is this, like, you know, the perfect woman or whatever, and she's she's playing Barbie, she's playing stereotypical Barbie, right, and to see that that is the experience of women, period, mm-hmm. right. It's not about what you look like, really. Yeah. Um, it's it's not a it's not about like anything except the fact that this is it's hard to be a woman right now and it has been hard to be a woman for a very long time and that doesn't mean that it's bad to be a woman that's that's the other thing we've talked about this before of like this there are some films that kind of build themselves as being feminist and are basically like isn't it terrible being female Mm -hmm. and this film is not isn't it terrible being female it's like it's I know we all like being female, like being a woman is great, but it's also terrible in some ways. And there are things that we have to deal with that are just the reality of our lives. Yeah. Um, and it balances that, I think, uh, really, really well. And yeah, I, I agree with you, the having someone else vocalize it and seeing it on a screen in a mainstream formula. Know, we've talked about how important representation is seeing that and hearing it and kind of hearing it listed, I guess is saying like, here are all of the contradictions and unfairness of being female in this world. <laughs> and, and yeah, and even though it's something that like, yeah, I know all of this, just like, but having it spoken like that and said in very simple and straightforward terms that I can understand. Right. And then I think everybody else can understand that maybe some of like my male friends might be able to be like, Hey, that might be true. Yeah. That's hard. It's hard to be like that. It's hard to exist like that. Um, and, and at the same time to say, but like, I don't want to exchange it. It's it's like, I don't want to not be a woman. I'm very happy being a woman. Um, it's not this like horrible place of suffering for me. Uh, and it's good to see that as well. Yeah.
1: I also just love Ryan Gosling's angry dancing. <laughs> well there's just so many things about this that make it such a joyful experience
2: really yeah exactly that's that you know that's what i was saying earlier about the the comedy it's It's funny funny. it's just funny funny. yeah (laughs) and and it's fun to watch that like it's Mm -hmm. just i'm enjoying witnessing this i don't know so this is like i think the second time that margot robbie has you know just like changed my brain chemistries (laughs) and i the next film that she makes i'm just gonna be like you're gonna have to change my brain chemistry again obviously like cause... the standard is set now <laughs> <laughs> this has happened twice now you have like a you got to keep going with this <laughs> actually i think the barbie and uh, birds of prey are very good companion pieces in a lot of ways that's a
1: great double feature
2: yeah absolutely yeah it'd just be <laughs> so enjoyable like i'm just gonna enjoy all of this everything about this is great <laughs> citizen name presents <laughs> Actually, we'll make it
1: a, a triple feature. We'll throw in Ghostbusters in there too.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. I've got She's not it, in it, but you know, <laughs> she should have been. In, in, in my Blu ray collection, I've got like a little section of Blu rays. They're just like, you know, movies for when I'm mad at men, basically. <laughs> and I've got like Ghostbusters. And it, funnily enough, they're all comedies, actually, mm-hmm. most of them. It's like I've got Ghostbusters, I've got Birds of Prey, I've got Barbie, I've got Wonder Woman um they've got the, the the charlie's angels remake uh i also have suspiria which nice. just kind of funnels into that's not totally a mad at men movie but it's more like a fuck this shit kind of movie yeah. <laughs> a female power movie i don't know love it uh so one of the films that i really wanted to mention and i actually just saw this and i was kind of late to the party on it um but i really wanted to mention it because i think it's it's in some ways sort of the flip side of barbie and actually addressing um some issues in a very very serious way is uh killers of the flower moon which came out earlier in uh in 2023 came out in what november i think um uh, yeah. of, of 2023 and then is now available to stream uh is available to rent and this 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 film really just moved me in a in a lot of wonderful ways i think that's an excellent film it's probably one of scorsese's best films in ages um and i loved the irishman some of his others his other more recent works i've just been like "Eh, it's not not quite up to quite up to par for me but um but this one really got me and i think some of it honestly and i would never have even imagined it is leonardo dicaprio in Killers of the Flower Moon because it is one of the first films that I have seen him in that I have am actually convinced that he is leaving his ego at the door. Um I know that other people do not view DiCaprio in that way but that's just my impression of so many of his performances has just been he's Leonardo DiCaprio playing a part. And mm-hmm. in Killers of the Flower Moon it really feels like he is this character. He is earnest. And he kind of just leaves some of that movie star ness behind and actually really embeds himself in the role. And it it is, it's a wonderful performance. And one of the things I like about it as well is that he doesn't try to dominate the proceedings. He is one of the main characters, but he's not the only main character. He gives a lot of space to Lily Gladstone and Lily Gladstone is, is fantastic. Um, and in many ways, is is almost she's she's a co-lead. I, I would say that she was even more the main character. Um, and that combination is just really wonderful to watch. It's such a well-paced film. I uh, again, I am always skeptical when you hit like three-hour, three and a half hour runtimes. And this was one that I was like, I actually think that he, that he pulled it off. I think that this is the length that it needs to be. Um, in order to do what the film needs to do and tell the story that they need to tell. So it, it's just such a well made and fantastically paced film, and, uh, and very moving and sad and also funny in spots. And and it's just, I, I think that it is, it really is going to be, I think, viewed as one of the great films of the 21st century.
1: I 100% agree. I think this movie is is phenomenal. Um, I think that the, you know, every time they release or they announce kind of a runtime for a Scorsese movie, people instantly balk and they're like, "No, that's just too long for a movie," and they forget that you're talking about. Martin Scorsese and Thelma Schoonmaker (laughs) making a movie together
2: uh, honestly he's one of the few directors that I'm just like I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt like I don't I'm not a big fan of these massive you know three and a half hour films but I you know what you're doing I'm gonna give you the Mm -hmm. benefit of the doubt yeah
1: I still wish that he would be okay with you know Intermissions, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like for the theater experience, like everybody wins. But, um, but no, I yeah. When he's making a three and a half hour movie, I trust him. And um this one, it was it was because I saw this in the theater, and it it was amazing how I never felt the runtime sitting in in a movie theater in the dark, you know, in a crowd. Um I I just I never felt it because I was so gripped the whole time. And yeah, the performances are so good. And it's not just DiCaprio and Gladstone, who are both phenomenal. Um, it's it's the entire supporting cast too. Everybody around them oh, yeah. is just is just so good, so mesmerizing. The story keeps you captivated the whole time. And and I think that. The way that the Osage are shown, the way that their um their customs and some of the the ceremonies and things are photographed. Everything about this is just it's it's such a remarkable film in so many ways. And um yeah, I, I'm really glad that Scorsese had it in him to make it. Because I just I can't I actually honestly have tried to think of, like, what's an, who's another filmmaker that would have done this good of a job with this story? And I, mm-hmm. I don't know.
2: Yeah, to, to manage the scope of it, one of the things that Scorsese is so good at is showing an entire culture and mm-hmm. a society and the way that the culture and society interacts and really making you feel it. He uses that roving camera so well. Mm-hmm. um and and he does it without laying it all out like he's not sitting you down and feeling we're now going to have some exposition about ceremonies and about how these different these different cultures interact etc he just kind of shows it to you and he lets you understand via the characters and via the story what this world is that they exist in um and and it's it's yeah it's it's fantastic. Uh, one of the things that I was worried about, honestly, when I when they first announced this film, a number of indigenous commentators said this. It's like, OK, this is a white guy. Right. This mm-hmm. is a white Italian-American um, who's going to be making this movie about this violence perpetrated on the Osage community and this very complicated story. Right. And they they were right. to, You know, we're nervous about this. So, like, OK, yeah. And what I really liked and what I've seen from indigenous critics and and commentators post the film being released is the degree to which the culture was very respected and represented properly. Um, It never it feels very lived in. That's what, you know, saying about this, the roving camera and all that. This is the reality of the the world that these people live in. Um, It doesn't like there's, there's not any stereotyping. There's not any, like, we're, you know, we're going to just turn this into kind of a standard Western narrative. None of that. It's really, really embedded. It uses the language continuously, um, both being spoken by the native characters and by the, the white characters. It uses all of these interesting interactions between them and, um, without like condescending to anybody without, you know, treating the Osage just like there's none of the noble savage bullshit. There's like it's it's very real and it feels very real. And it sounds like from every from all the other uh, commentaries that I've seen from from indigenous people, it sounds like this is very authentic. It does. It's not like this is a white dude imposing his perspective on it. So, yeah, it's 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 such a fantastic film. I also have to say Robert De Niro. (laughs) it's great i mean and and for so long robert de niro has you know kind of i I don't think he ever really phones in a part but he's just been sort of like yeah all right whatever i'm robert de niro hi um when he works with scorsese now like just like Mm he's he's just there he is a great villain in this he is so fucking sinister but at the same time i'm like I really am fascinated by you and the the darkness that is emanating from all of this is so good, and it's uh, also
1: so easy to understand how people were taken in by like were taken by him. You know <laughs> how we know that we shouldn't trust him. We know that he's really sinister because we know what's going on, but you can see where he is so kind to people and. You know, presents this very caring, you know, uncle type of persona, and um, well, and he that, is just, that adds to the sinisterness of it. The
2: character believes it. I think that that's part of it. Is that he he holds all of these perspectives that are that are contradictory to anyone who is outside. Just just like yeah. you cannot say that you love the Osage and murder them at the same time, but he does. Like he absolutely mm-hmm. believes that in himself. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of what makes the the performance work so well, is that he is very much inhabiting this character who holds these contradictions as a part of himself.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: and yeah, it, it makes sense. So he, he was just like, yeah, he was amazing in it. So good. Yes. This is a wonderful film. So what and other It will films? be on
1: Apple TV Plus very soon, by the way.
2: Yes. And and it does also you can also rent it now. Um, my parents and I rented it. We did watch it over the course of two nights because it was just too much. So it can be watched in one go. It can also be watched in in pieces. And I think it it still holds up. <clears throat> so what are some other films that like really really hit for you? Oh man. Uh, um, Karen. You know, I have to
1: say, I, luckily I haven't really seen it so much this year. Maybe I just haven't been paying attention because I'm off Twitter, but um Every year, you know, it gets toward the end of the year and there'll be somebody, somebody who'll be like, this was a terrible year for movies. And I'm looking at my list going, well, I really liked a lot of movies. And I so feel that this year, there were so many movies that I really liked a lot. Like I was trying to settle on a top 10 and I was like, I can't, I really can't this year. I, I have to do at least a top 20, you know, there was just so, it was such a good year for movies, but Um, a couple that I liked that really surprised me, um, Godzilla minus one. I'm not a fan of Godzilla. In fact, other than like the, a couple of the American ones that are stupid, I really haven't seen any of the Japanese Godzilla films and I just didn't think they were my thing, but I watched Godzilla minus one because we were going to do it for my other podcast and oh my gosh. I was blown away. I loved it so much. It's so good. It's um it's immediately after World War II. It deals with um this guy who had been a a kamikaze pilot who couldn't go through with it. And um and there are um a lot of emotional consequences that he suffered as a result of that and but he comes home at the end of the war and he's lost everything. His family's gone and his town is, has been destroyed in the war and everything. And, and so he's kind of having to start over and he, he kind of ends up in this uh, makeshift family because he runs across a girl who's also lost everything and she has a baby with her. And so they become a family. And so the movie goes through like several years of, of, these these people rebuilding their lives but also this constant threat of this monster um kind of lingering in the background and and what that means for them what that means for him specifically and um and i think that's what what really captivated me with this movie and why it was so surprising was that it was such a focus on these people and this emotional Trauma that they have endured because of the war and because of other things that have happened to them, and the monster becomes this symbol not just this 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 threat this ever present threat that is partly um their own making, but also just what that means for them and how they can heal and and rebuild their own lives and I just I thought it was beautiful I thought it was fascinating I thought the effects were incredible and um yeah, I
2: I want more people to see this movie. So, it sounds great. I've seen I've seen some buzz about it. I've admittedly I'm kind of I'm because of being off of Twitter. I have not been paying attention to a lot of things. <laughs> like things come out, just like what's that? Oh, okay, yeah. sure. Well, it sounds it sounds fine. I'm not whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I have seen some buzz about this, and and it does sound like a really interesting film. I'm kind of with you that I. I've seen the the original Godzilla. I've seen a few of the um like American ones whatever. It's never been a thing for me particularly. I know that a lot of people really like it. Um but this this one does sound interesting. And, so uh, and good, yeah. it sounds like it would be interesting to pair it also with the original Godzilla and to, you know, kind of see because that that one was made I think in 51, 52 something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so fairly close to the aftermath of the war and and to kind of see how those two films sort of work in concert with each other so that sounds really good so one of one of the others that we actually did not talk about and you expressed surprise that i had seen this uh, (laughs) is is asteroid city which i loved uh so good (laughs) the most recent wes anderson film um and it's very wes andersony uh I really liked it. Like uh I generally I admit I'm one of those people. I'm one of those white folks that really likes Wes Anderson films. <laughs> Same. Uh yeah, like I just I I like the I like I do like his aesthetic. Uh I like the performances that he gets out of his actors. I like kind of the weird sort of literary elements. I always view Wes Anderson films almost as sort of postmodernist novels. <laughs> yeah Um, they feel that way to me uh and and this one i think was very much you know on on par with some of his best films it was very much up there with like royal tenenbaums for me um it was a lot of fun it's funny it's got great i mean he always gets great actors but he's got great performances um and and i just like the the sort i love the melancholy of it and also the hopefulness of it uh and there's just something really lovely and gentle running through the entire film. Um, that yeah, I just had a great time with it.
1: Yeah, I don't really have anything to add other than that I also enjoyed it for the same reasons that you did.
2: <laughs> it's good. It was like I I was watching. I was just like, this is really sweet. And I, I again, it was one of those times that there were people who bitched about it, and I was I was like, okay, well, it sounds like you don't like Wes Anderson films, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but also if you're going to go see a Wes Anderson film, you kind of have to be willing to enter into that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. if you're not into it, that's okay, but that's what you're going to get. Like we kind of know what we're going to get when we we deal with a Wes Anderson film. Um, so I'm always a little confused by by people who are just like, ah, I hated this film. It's just like, did you like, do you like any of his other work? no
1: it's like all right well there you go yeah i don't don't know what to tell you like of course you weren't gonna like it then
2: (laughs) if if you like his stuff you'll like this if you don't like his stuff you won't it's it's pretty easy he is one of those directors Mm -hmm. um yeah so i i really enjoyed that one and again like what a what a cast jesus christ (laughs) yeah
1: well it was fun to see some new people that haven't been in his films before like tom hanks you know Mm -hmm. It it was just fun to see some new um some new folks thrown into the into the troop
2: so. yes definitely um so w- one of the others that I wanted to mention I think I mentioned this really quickly was um bottoms mm-hmm. uh that was just directed by Emma Siligman Sel- and um also written and star written by and stars uh Rachel sonat and this this was one that I got part way through and I was just like I don't know what tone i'm supposed to be understanding this <laughs> film and and then it began to dawn on me it's just like okay this this is very satirical and this is parodic almost um at which point i was like now i'm down for it all right now i get what they're up to it's 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 just a fucking funny movie and i think that it gets better as the film goes on because you get into more and more of the satire of it um and like murder or attempted murder like it's it's a wild film and uh and i i just really appreciate it (laughs) it's
1: so weird it's so funny it's um yeah it's that the satire and just the dark humor of it makes it very easy to to misunderstand i think (laughs) but um Yeah. It it actually, in some ways it reminds me of Heather's and I feel like it's channeling Heather's a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, And, and Heather's is also one where it's very easy to kind of miss the point if you're not paying attention and you don't know how to, how to read certain things, you know, but. um, Yeah. yeah.
2: I, I've hesitated recommending it to people because I've been like, okay, so you have to note that this is not, it's not serious, but it, (laughs) It is, but it's also not, but Mm -hmm. it's like satire, but it's not really satire. It's a very difficult film to categorize, but I I liked it a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's great. I loved it. And also Marshawn Lynch needs to be in more movies. (laughs) I fucking love that guy.
2: (laughs) it's like the, the ally to these like learning to be an ally and all of that shit and It's just like women are crazy actually like i don't know why i wanted to do this yeah he was he was wonderful he was very game like he was obviously having a good time mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i like the description he renounces feminism <laughs> it's like, well you great you've like destroyed a male ally that's not good
1: <laughs> good job ladies good job <laughs> Um, A couple others that I just wanted to mention. There's so many movies this year that I really loved, but um, one that a lot of people actually two a lot of people have talked about one has been pretty universally loved. The other has been kind of divisive, but past lives, um, which is a beautiful, beautiful film from um, Celine song is the director. And it's about these two childhood friends who, um, knew each other in South Korea, but they were separated as children and grew up and lived very separate lives. She goes on to live in the United States; he stays in Korea, and eventually they reconnect and they spend a little bit of time together, um, just catching up and and kind of imagining sort of what could have been. But it's this beautiful, um, it's this beautiful story about friendship and reconnection and about kind of um just the ideas of of you know the different directions that our lives could have taken and the different things that possibly did happen in our past that we just don't even know about and um it's it's really hard to kind of summarize succinctly what this movie is to me but it's it's such a beautiful story with just really really lovely performances and um Yeah, it's it's. I I hope that you get a chance to watch it because it's great. And then um, another one that is a very very different movie, um, but also just impacted me in a different in a much different type of way. But that is Poor Things, the new Yorgos Lanthimos film with Emma Stone, which I have been looking forward to for like two years. And uh, I finally got to see it over the Christmas break and it's sort of a Frankenstein story kind of, but um, in this case, the the crazy doctor is played by Willem Dafoe and um, he's just, he does really messed up experiments on uh, people, on creatures, Um, but he, it's, it's all in the name of like just really wanting to discover things and one of the objects of his his creation is Emma Stone's character, Bella, who he raises as his daughter and uh, she reaches a point where it's it's not about wanting to destroy her creator, but it's about wanting to just go out and experience life on her own so she has she has this sexual awakening she basically enters puberty and and um just wants to go out into the world and learn and explore and um it, it's a very crazy movie with a this weird like weird in a good way um steampunk aesthetic to it um and some things that that like some technologies and things that don't quite make sense but for the film they totally do and so there's this sort of um it's it's in some ways it's like frankenstein meets the odyssey meets some other you know you know works <laughs> but it, but it's done so well like you know if if Astor were to make try to make a movie like this i would hate every minute of it because i would think he just it would be terrible but yorgos like he has this deep profound understanding of these works that he's emulating and and drawing his reference from and using it to tell such a great story that is is weird and wonderful. And I just I can't say enough about it.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. you know,
2: you know, I've seen it talked about and I had absolutely no idea what it was about. I just <laughs> knew that it was like a, a the New York Slath Most film. And I and I do have like i've not loved a lot of his stuff uh mm-hmm. i really liked the favorite and so i again it's one of those where i'm like okay sure i'll try i'll try this one that sounds great to me um <laughs> what you're saying like that's like oh my god i was also wondering if you were gonna mention ari aster <laughs> that's just like i don't care doesn't like ari aster about this one <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but but yeah i mean one of the things you have to say about lanthimos is that much like wes Anderson, is that whether or not you like what he does he is he's very like cohesive and coherent about what his films look like his understanding of the material his understanding of things like i um i'm trying to remember the killing god damn killing of the sacred deer killing of the sacred deer which i fucking hated hated it (laughs) but what he's doing what he's doing i absolutely get what he's doing i don't like it um i it made me like just just i was just sitting there like what the fuck (laughs) but i absolutely get what he's doing and it's deep that that's you know that's one of the things you know comparing to arias like i don't like what arias is doing either but he he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing yeah at the most knows what he's doing like he he has a depth to his work um that is very clear and very present so whether or not you like it it is it's very much like he understands this work um mm-hmm. so yeah so i i would really like to see Poor things now now that i'm s- so curious to hear what you think <laughs> about it because i will also say as much as i
1: loved it there are definitely things about it that there are times where it's very uncomfortable to watch but it surprise me yeah but, I, but it's like it didn't it was like uncomfortable but in a way that i was like this is going to sound so weird but like i was glad to have that discomfort i don't know it's hard to
2: describe well, I, I see so. that there are times when when films will do that where you're like this is going to a place that i don't like but also it's natural to the film and it's yeah. it's what needs you know we need to go there maybe we need to be pushed a little bit further yeah. um, and that can be difficult to do i think filmmakers sometimes fail at that but um it's good when it, it actually works Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, the the last thing I want to shout out one more time is is the second season of Our Flag Means Death. Uh, yes, it's a TV show, but it like changed my the entire makeup of myself. So, uh, yeah, like I, if you have not watched Our Flag Means Death, I don't know how you've not. But please go and watch it. Both seasons are on HBO Max. Um, it's it's fantastic, and I think they did a great job with the second season.
1: If you don't have Macs currently, sign up for a subscription, pay for a month. It's worth it.
2: It's 18 episodes. Yep. They're like between half an hour and 40 minutes long. Come on. And there are pirates. Yeah. And there's comedy and there's workplace comedy and everybody's gay. Like, come on. (laughs) Everybody's so
1: gay. And that is the best part about it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And Wearing frilly outfits is fantastic. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh, I love that show so much. I introduced some friends to it a couple months ago. We had like our girls weekend, and I introduced them to it, and they loved it so much. And a couple of them, there were four of us on that weekend trip, and two of them have finished the show, and they keep asking me, like, is there going to be a season three? I'm
2: like, I don't know. know." We don't know. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad that it, uh, we've said this before, I'm glad that it ended where it did though, because while I i very much want a season 3 i really want to see what they are going how they're going to end it
0: mm-hmm.
2: um but like is if max and max is not trustworthy <laughs> right. um like if max decides, like no we're not going to do it because we hate money and life and joy uh yeah at we least ending, all of you people to suffer yeah at least they're ending in a place where it's just like i'm okay with that that's fine that's okay they can be there
1: yeah but i also know that the creator David Jenkins, he has a three-season arc, and I want to get to finish that story.
2: Yeah, I I would like to know. I would like to know what happens. Uh, I I have I have an inkling of what might happen, but um, mm-hmm. we'll see. So so to to move on, we sometimes like to talk about you know stuff that we've discovered in the past year that maybe are just new to us. Maybe other people have known about them forever, and we just like suddenly like, oh, this is a great film um so so karen what are some films that you're just like this was a really great fun good hilarious whatever discovery for you this year so
1: i want to start off by saying that one of them that i thought of immediately when we were talking about doing this uh, is not a movie that's good and it's not a movie that's fun but i enjoyed (laughs) talking about it and I have told people about it like I just was in a conversation two days ago and brought this up to somebody again because this movie is so messed up and uh, that is Demon Seed from 1977 which we <laughs> talked about in our AI episode <laughs> and it's like I'm so glad that I've seen this movie even though it's terrible <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I'm I still- so glad that
1: it's
2: in my life <laughs> I still am like it's one of yeah. I it's a movie I never want to see again. I'm yeah. just like I am fine never experiencing whatever the fuck that was a second time. But I'm glad that I did this. Yeah, I agree with you.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely one that mm-hmm. just just for the joy of the conversations that have resulted. I'm really glad we saw it. And then, yes. um, a couple movies that I had not seen before that I thoroughly enjoyed, um, the Raven which we talked about. We did uh, Yeah. I I actually watched a lot of the um, Corman films this year. And that was one that just really stood out to me because it's just so fun and weird and, and just delightful. Um, So I'm I'm glad that I got to see that. And then another one, yes, madam from with Michelle, yo, that movie (laughs) was so good. And I, I'm so glad it because of this podcast, I watched it and I'm <laughs> glad. I'm so glad for it.
2: Yeah. Those the, all all of those are really all of those are really good. I love the Raven. The Raven is it's just like so fun. I, <laughs> I think I rewatch it every year. Like <clears throat> I go through my little Vincent Price uh movements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um well there were there were a few that for me um like hit uh, there. There were a number that I actually was when I was thinking about this earlier today I was just like there were some films that really surprised me um that like I went into being like oh okay this will be fun and then I was like wow this is like actually a, a great film but this I I did not know that um so what one of them is a film that I think I did mention before which is Blast of Silence from 1961. It is it's a fascinating film. Uh, it's very low budget it's about a hitman um, who, bait, who arrives in the city and is supposed to kill a guy. And that's basically the plot. It is intense. Like it opens with like this horrific description of birth um, and, and just kind of moves on from there. And it's one of those films that is just like, it's so unusual. It's very much of the time period, but it's so unusual and it's so intense. And in watching, it, I was like, this, this could have easily just been schlocky. Right. And it's not, it is very, very well done. It's very like on the ground in like in the grittiness. It feels like I, I have no basis for this, but it feels like it's one of those films that maybe informed the making of Mean Streets. Mm-hmm. It has those elements to it. Like it's just very strange and intense and postmodern and like the darkest depths of film noir basically and i i really was surprised by it because i i went into it being like oh this sounds interesting and came out of it I was like that is amazing like i don't even know what to do with that uh mm-hmm. so it's it's something that i think you have to go in knowing that it's a little bit off that it you know and not, not everything in it works but it is such a fascinating film and i was really glad to get to see it Um, I believe it's still on on Criterion channel as well. Nice. Uh, One of the others was a uh, Dorothy Arzner film that popped up, I believe, again, on Criterion, um, Honor Among Lovers, which is a 1931 film. And again, you know, as with so many of Dorothy Arzner's work, she's really grappling with some interesting things, but it actually grapples with, uh, you know, premarital sex about um, uh, sort of desire and how people navigate desire, it's very realistic. And I, I think that one of the things that I've always said I love about pre-code films is that you actually get to see more of the reality, I think, of the, um, of the way that people actually lived in like the 1920s and thirties, right? That it wasn't because so much of the later films because of the code are sanitized. Like you can't say some of the things that they say in pre-code films and honor among lovers is one of those that it could not be made later. Uh, it absolutely had. It, it could be, but it would be moralistic. It would be boring. It would be. It wouldn't get to do a lot of the things that it does. Um, and and it actually navigates some some really interesting things. And uh, not my one hundred percent absolute favorite of Arsner's films, but definitely up there. And if if anyone gets a chance to see it, like definitely go for it. I don't think it's on Criterion anymore, but I really hope that Criterion or Kino someone. Gets all of the rights to Arzner's work and is able to release them in like properly um, repaired prints because I want to see these be talked about more. And one more that I have no excuse for, except I do, uh, is lovebirds. (laughs) Why do you love Uh, lovebirds? Because Reese Darby's hot, okay? Like, Reese Darby is a hot muppet. That's why. (laughs) I have a question. Yes. When did that happen? (laughs) <laughs> when did he become a hot muppet i think it's always a hot muppet i think they're like that was something that always existed and just no i didn't notice how we did you notice. it we are like what oh okay like just all of a sudden one day
1: he turned out to be okay. hot and had been for a long time
2: apparently <laughs> apparently uh i will actually now that i've gotten over my initial extreme embarrassment Um, and and rage about this i actually will advocate for this as a good rom-com like not actually evades a a number of the like more problematic tropes it's very sweet it's got good actors in it um you know the the major conflict when it happens feels very realistic actually it's like oh yeah this 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 would happen between these two people um, and, and it pays off very nicely. So I, I would actually say if you want to watch a, a very sweet, enjoyable, um, silly little romantic comedy, I do think that this is a good thing for that. Uh, and, and yeah, and, and me Starby is a hot Muppet. So there you
1: go. <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying I'm going to watch it and then I keep not watching it. So I need you need to, to
2: watch that. it. You need to watch it. So you can look at me and go like Lauren, <laughs> uh, well, at least so okay? I can
1: understand where the gifts all came from.
2: <laughs> you've basically seen so I have in fact sent Karen like a thousand <laughs> gifts of this film. Um and yeah, so you you've seen the film really. Like you just have to go and watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> so and any any other like new discoveries for you this year, Karen? Mm, I mean,
1: there were a lot, but I, I can't
2: think of any more to add. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So how about some really quickly, cause we're, we're getting onto time, but how about some like rewatches? Cause I, one of the things I noticed this year for me is that I rewatched a lot of films, mm-hmm. Um, films that I've seen, but films that I haven't seen in a very long time. Uh, and some of it has been because of this podcast, because we've been like, Oh, this, we should talk about this. So I've gone back and and rewatched some movies and rewatched the witch um, and a couple of others. And, and one of the things that I've really liked about that is that, it's like kind of opening up the films again for me um, and reminding me of things that happen in the films that I just simply did not remember about them because I saw them 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so and any big ones for you? Uh, honestly, the witch is a big one for me because
1: mm-hmm. I had seen it a few years ago when it came out. I did not enjoy it. Um, but I watched it again this year for an episode that we did, and it was a complete shift in my brain. It was like, mm-hmm. wow, I was totally wrong about this movie when I saw it before. It's fantastic. And so I was so glad that I had that opportunity and that kind of an excuse to rewatch it because um, that is a really fantastic film that mm-hmm. I needed to reappraise. And um, I'm, so I'm very glad I got that chance.
2: Yeah, I I I agree. I mean, I I liked the film. I've talked about like how much I liked it uh, before, but even just the most recent rewatch for me was like, this this is, legitimately one of the best horror films I've seen. <laughs> um, it's such an interesting movie. I mean, we we don't have to go into it again because we we did a whole <laughs> we did a whole podcast about it, mm-hmm. um, among others. But it is it's a really unique film, and what what he accomplishes in it, I think, is is fantastic.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that was a big one for me. And then another one that it was just, I was really glad to revisit and I think introduce you to it. And that was fast times at Ridgemont high, which I hadn't seen in so many years and I liked it, but it was like seeing it now as a, as a full adult and um, you know, thinking back on things, it just, it, it took on new meaning. And that's the thing about watching movies that you saw when you were younger and then watching them again when you're much older and more mature i think more mature um and just getting to <laughs> to kind of reevaluate and reappraise them and that was kind of my experience with this one
2: that's good yeah that was a fun that was a fun movie i was glad to get to to see that it's it's a film that i don't think i would have watched necessarily if i had (laughs) if we hadn't decided to do it for the podcast because i'd avoided it i don't i honestly don't know why i avoided it probably because i'm like no it's 80s sex comedy don't want to see Mm -hmm. that um 80s sex
1: comedy with sean penn
2: (laughs) yeah that's true yeah um but yeah i was very glad to get to see us that was that was fun
0: yeah
2: um uh, another one for me was um i'm gonna mispronounce the name jean uh dealman 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 That's the thing. It doesn't feel like that that should be the way it's said. Um, (laughs) Well, it'd be Diedemann. (laughs) Diedemann. Chantal Ackerman's uh, fantastic, fantastic film, which I had seen back in grad school and pretty much just I didn't pay I didn't pay attention to it. I'm going to admit that I didn't really pay attention to it when I first saw it um and i think it was just too much for me maybe at the time or maybe i just wasn't able to to sit with it in the way that i needed to um and i watched that very early in in 2023 and that again like i'm, I'm i think i'm going to get the criterion blu-ray of it because it is people have talked about like what a fantastic film it is um and and it is but it's you know talking about those those sorts of films that need to be as long as they are this film needs to be the length that it is Amazingly enough, and especially for a film in which so little happens, but so much happens, it, it really is a remarkable movie. And it does something so unique that it, it, it's it's hard to kind of parse out. It's hard to explain why it works as it does.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and the way that Ackerman is, is able to kind of build this tension within a woman peeling potatoes, yeah and you know setting up her household and things like that, and she she does it so well you get the sense of like something's gonna happen <laughs> like and it takes four hours for it to happen, <laughs> but it does and and it's very it works so well as as it actually like comes to a head,
1: and it's such an odd movie in some ways, but it's one that's like if it had been shorter, if they had tightened things up, if Ackerman had made it. You know, a two-hour movie, it would not have had the impact that it has when you finally get to the end.
2: Yeah, no, it 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 has to be the length that it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, you you have to have that those stretches of silence and stretches of like ambient sound and like the clicking of the heels on the floor and things like that. You have to have that. It's a film that rewards patience. Yeah, it really does. So I I was glad to rewatch that, and you know, actually. I should be like, oh yeah, I should have paid attention to this more when I was 21 or whatever. Maybe I couldn't have when I was 21. <laughs> yeah. Um and, and another one that really I knew that this was a great film. It was wonderful to watch again. We did it for for the podcast was Elaine Mays, Mikey, and Nikki. Uh it's it, we talked about it a whole bunch. Um it, it's it's just again one of the great films, I think, of the 20th century uh and and truly truly unique in in so many different ways and really showcases what a fantastic filmmaker Elaine May was and how she really should be spoken of in the same breath as people like Scorsese it's
1: so true and I was very glad that I actually finally watched this movie that was one that I was really happy Mm to to kind of I mean I knew about it I had tried to watch it before but This was the first time that I actually watched all the way through and I'm so glad I finally did.
2: Yeah. It's, it really does reward, reward, reward watching and reward rewatching. Like I think the rewatch for me actually kind of knowing where it was going, let me really experience what was happening in the moment a little bit more. Um, I I do think that there are some films that really do not improve, but, deepen on rewatches and that's that's definitely one of them where you kind of you're no longer concerned about this is how it's going to end you're more like okay how do we get there uh Mm -hmm. and i think that's definitely uh one of those films so yes very very much recommend that so any other films that you wanted to shout out uh I don't know. I think,
1: I think I've talked a lot. Um, there's just, <laughs> it's, it was a good year. It was a good was, year yeah. for movies. It was a good year to to revisit things and to discover new things. And, um, yeah, I, yeah.
2: And, and what about in the coming year, Karen, is there anything that you're like, I'm going to see that film this year. This is the kind of movie I want to watch. So it, I have
1: like one sort of, movie resolution for the year and that is not for a specific movie um it's really something i want to do every month because criterion does such a great job with these curated collections that they put out you know they have new ones monthly currently they have one about cats (laughs) like cat (laughs) movies um and so what i want to do because they usually do multiple collections each month and Oh, you know, it, it, it always seems like I'll start to watch a couple of them. We'll pick, we'll pick one and we're going to do it for the podcast and I'll watch a few of the the movies that are in there, but I never watch a complete collection. Like I, I, I never know. finished the Michelle Yeoh movies, for example, you know, stuff like that. And so, so this year, what I want to do is every month, pick one of the collections and watch all the films in it. So,
2: Oh, I like that. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> I like that a lot. Yeah, that would that would be fun. There, I think there are some collections that, that would drive me crazy. But yeah. <laughs> gotta choose, gotta pick and choose. Mm-hmm. Um luckily well, I have a lot of options. <laughs> for for me, I have two. One of them is a specific film and one is is more general. Um the specific film is I have never seen Last Temptation of Christ. Oh. I have seen almost all of Scorsese's other films. Uh and I think I have seen all of Scorsese's other films. I, and for some reason I, that I do not know, what, I no clue why I have never seen Last Temptation of Christ. My father has taught numerous times <laughs> Last Temptation of Christ. He says it's one of his favorite Jesus movies. I have not seen it, so I'm going to watch Last Temptation of Christ this year. <laughs> that is what I am saying that right now. So that is something I'm going to do. Uh, yes. The other thing is that I I always feel like I do not watch enough silent films and um and i didn't watch tons this year i watched some buster keaton um which you know i i love buster keaton but i think the the comedies are a lot more accessible in a lot of ways particularly people like keaton and chaplin um mm-hmm. but and silent films do kind of force you to pay attention they force you to like put your phone down um and actually engage with the visuals on the screen and i just recently i just felt like i haven't had enough patience for it but i want to try more to actually experience those silent films watch silent films that i haven't seen um because there are so many great ones and it, it kind of it annoys me when i'm just like no i'm just gonna you know look for the the hour-long pre-code movie or something like that i'm like no i want to watch some of these heftier um silent movies whether they're good or bad just to to really experience more of that part of film history yeah i like that so that is my goal so I think that's going to close us out probably for our first episode of 2024. Um, you know, let us know your new year's resolutions for film uh, and the films that, you know, you have really made your 2023 as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And as always, we would like very much to thank our lovely patrons who are supporting us and continue to support us. We love y'all. Um, and they include Ali, Brian, Connor, Estefania, Heather James Judy Karen Cariata, Lauren Matt Michelle Monty Nanina Robert Robert Steve Sharon and cow thank you again for supporting us you guys we should be coming out with some more bonus episodes and fun stuff this year um and and we hope to be getting that to you and also like if you have any questions for us you want to talk to us about anything please send us a message um comment on you know the the post on patreon uh and and we will get back to you definitely so our patreon is patreon.com slash citizen dame and we also have an etsy store now
0: uh that's
2: that's etsy.com slash shop slash citizen dame pod and do we have stuff up there yet karen um by the time this episode is up it will be yes awesome. So definitely go check that out. Um, it, I think that we're, we're, moving everything from the Zazzle store to the Etsy store and trying to like push more of that. So definitely go and check that out. Uh, it's just way
1: easier to work with. Yeah. So that's why we're, we're migrating over. Um, when I create a new design, it's in the store immediately instead of, you know, waiting these weird wait periods and <laughs> Zazzle is just cumbersome and I didn't like it. Yeah. So.
2: Yes, I I think that this is a very good move and I I am strongly in support of it. It's going to be
1: a Uh, lot easier to keep things fresh and add new things all the time to it. So this is going to be something that's evolving. Yes,
2: yeah, definitely. So definitely go over and check that out. Um, We also, of course, have our website. That's CitizenDamePod.com. And you can check out reviews, editorials, things like that. Um, We're going to have some more stuff coming for you now in this new year. And of course, you can get in touch with us in so many different ways. Our email is CitizenDamePod at gmail.com. Uh, and we are on a letterboxed HQ at Citizen Dame. We are also on all of the various socials, although I don't think we're really on Twitter anymore because I'm not updating the Twitter <laughs> or whatever Twitter is now, X. <laughs> uh, but we are there at Citizen Dame Pod. We are also on Instagram and Blue Sky at Citizen um, and of course you can get in touch with us individually. Karen, where are you? I am on all the socials, but particularly Letterboxed and
1: Instagram or my jam, uh, at
2: Karen M. Peterson. And I am on all the socials at LH business. So thank you so much for listening. Happy new year. And we will talk to you later. Bye. How the fuck do I stop
0: <laughs> Yes. Bobby changed everything. Then, she changed it all again. All of these women are Barbie, and Barbie is all of these women. She might have started out as just a lady in a bathing suit, but she became so much more. She has her own money, her own house, her own car, her own career. Because Barbie can be anything, women can be anything. And this has been reflected back onto the little girls of today, in the real world. Girls can grow into women who can achieve everything and anything they set their mind to. Thanks to Barbie, all problems of feminism and equal rights have been solved. At least, that's what the Barbies think. After all, they're living in Barbie land. Who am I to burst their bubble?